it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by... Andrew Sather, and Dave Ahern to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks, well, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. This is episode 63. Tonight, we're going to continue our discussion on personal finance. This is Personal Finance 104. And tonight, we're going to talk about designing your investment lifestyle. So we're going to talk a little about picking an investment strategy and different areas of that. And I know Andrew had some things he wanted to start off with. So why don't I turn it over to him? Yeah. So last week, we talked about budgeting. The next natural step is figuring out what to do once you have that extra money. So like Dave mentioned, you're going to want to have to pick an investment strategy. You want to look around and really try to understand, You know, not just pick a strategy just off the onset, just because it sounds good, but try to understand what's going to fit. So that might, that might entail looking at a couple different things before you really make a decision. And I'll kind of explain why, but there's a lot of different ways you can invest money. We covered this in our Back to the Basics Part 3, where we talked about stocks versus other investments. We've talked in the past about how we're both adamant value investors and, and why we kind of why we tilt that way and why we recommend that investors try to model portfolio value-based approach, trying to buy low, trying to buy businesses that are trading at a discount to their intrinsic value. Uh, I don't have what episode that is off the top of my head, but we did talk about not only just what kind of options you have as far as off estate versus any other sort of investment. We also talked about like value investing versus growth investing uh, versus whatever other kind of strategies are out there. So those are two episodes to help you get a broader base and a broader sense of kind of what all your options are out there. I wanted to start off though with a couple of things that maybe if I talk about it, it will help give like a mindset shift on why it is important to pick a strategy in this way and to kind of understand and and conceptualize what I'm about to say. So basically when you break down investing, there's two forms of it. You have passive investing and active investing. 
So passive investing is the type of investing that's usually recommended by investment professionals. If you go see a financial advisor, they'll usually recommend that as well. And basically what that means is you're just buying stocks and then not touching them. That's that's the best way to do passive strategy. Uh, and it usually entails buying like an index fund and just passively holding it and not touching it. So if a, if a passive strategy fits your personality, if, if it's something you're able to stick to, then it can be a very, very great option for you. The other side of that is active. And what active means is you're trying to pick stocks. You might be selling in and out. You know, you might not be a buy and hold forever. And although, at least personally, I really try to talk about buying stocks and holding them as long as you can, ideally forever. I also understand that stocks go bankrupt. And so that's why I always talk about the bankruptcy research, the negative earnings, discussions on when to sell. But in general, you want to try to hold your positions as long as possible. So that's what active is, is you're buying individual stocks. You're making stock selections that way. And then you're also making decisions on the opposite side of how long you're staying in these stocks, when you're getting out, how long, you know, when you're getting out, when you're staying in and all those sorts of things. And I I do believe like for the majority of investors that having a passive strategy is the best way to go. However, I see a a huge problem and and I've kind of talked about this before, but a huge problem with the idea that you're just going to tell people just buy and hold forever and and just by saying that, that they're going to follow it. So I'll give you two examples, like I said, two metaphors. Um, so like my dad, so my dad uh, tried to get me into cars, not like push me into it super hard, but uh, we do simple stuff like change the oil, um, how to change a flat tire, right? Or check your fluids. I think we have done a great job before. So basically like I have a, enough of a, general what's the word like not expertise but uh general skill set when it comes to working on cars where i have like the basics down and so i remember a particular thing where he once told me um and this obviously i was like super new at all of this stuff when he told me this but he said make sure you're using the right tool size uh so you're not stripping the screw or the nut or the bolt or whatever you call it um, and I remember just kind of brushing that off and being like, you know what, whatever it's, that's, that sounds so anal, like I'll just figure it out. But you know, <laughs> I ended up learning the hard way that when you use like a metric system tool on what, what is it called? Metric or Imperial. I, I, again, I'm, I'm obviously not an expert on, on the car stuff, but if you use like a 17 millimeter on something that should be like a three eighths inch uh you're gonna strip the screw if it's not an exact fit and so i learned that the hard way and ended up having to take my car to the mechanic because i stripped the screw and i couldn't get it out once i did that uh i've had something similar happen with like cooking right uh where there's this one dish called adobo that's a filipino thing and people love it like even americans white people they they love the filipino adobo dish it's just one of those uh, things that everybody loves. So she uh, mentioned when she was trying to kind of like teach me this recipe, she said, make sure you use a cer- this certain type of soy sauce. And again, I'm like, ah, that's so such a 
like a thing that I don't want to have to worry about, right? And then ended up uh, cooking it with the wrong soy sauce and realizing that she was right. And that was actually a huge detail. It was a minor detail that was actually huge because it made the whole taste like completely different. And not that it wasn't good, but it wasn't nearly as good as, as it usually is. So the reason why I'm telling you these two kind of metaphor slash story stuff is because it relates to investing in a big, big way. Like if I had never gotten my hands dirty, quote unquote, on uh, trying to work on the car or trying to cook this this Filipino dish. And then if I never got their advice at the onset, then I probably would have still made the same mistake with, with uh, stripping the screw. I probably still would have cooked it wrong with the wrong soy sauce, but I probably would have assumed that it's just me who who's terrible at, at doing these things, right? Like I'm a terrible cook when it comes to adobe or I just am not cut out to be somebody who can work on cars. When the reality of it was, you know, that A, I needed to get the information and B, there are certain behavioral details that you need to fine tune in order to, in order to really get the, the thing right. So, you know, it would have been something that I would have ended up maybe outsourcing to somebody else when I was perfectly capable of doing it myself. But I never had the, the advice and I never, I never took the time to, you know, get my hands dirty to, to really master the little details. And so that's a huge thing with the stock market especially when you talk about if you're going to be a passive investor and if you don't get your hands dirty, I'd say it's going to be extraordinarily difficult for you to continue to hold unless you can just be somebody who somehow just never looks at the news, never looks at your brokerage account, doesn't track your net worth, doesn't track your net worth on a spreadsheet. It's going to be very, very difficult for you if, if you're not consuming good content about investing if you're not actively kind of trying to invest your money through a brokerage it's going to be very very difficult for you to keep your portfolio on the right track when things go south and if if you've ever learned about the history of the stock market before you'll know that every you know could be 5 years 10 years even 20 years but eventually these things cycle and it's not as much as the news tries to make it sound out to be where this president's amazing and this president isn't, a lot of it has to do with like where these presidents are placed on the cycle. And they're just booms and busts and the economy just expands and it contracts. And that's just as much as a part of the market and the economy as the moon and the sun. And so why I at least really, really think that people should at least try to get into active investing and try to at least get their hands dirty a little bit is exactly because of that is because um a seemingly minor detail like you need to stay invested in the market when everybody else around you is selling when everybody else around you is losing their job that's exactly when you should maybe cut your expenses but keep your investments in there and so that small minor detail that might sound like a little little uh throw out advice that everybody's giving you actually has a lot and will actually have a major major impact on your final investment performance and when it comes to the stock market when it comes to investing in general you know those same cycles happen with all sorts of assets and commodities uh all anything that really has a price there's there's huge cycles like that and so 
I think it's it's worth your while, even if the passive strategy is something that speaks more to your personality. I think it's definitely worth your while to look into active and maybe try your hand at it a little bit and see, you know, at least if you can increase your skill set, then you'll be much better prepared for when a like downturn happens. And so that's why I have a big problem with just prescribing people the same kind of, uh, you know, here's, here's your prescription and, and go away and it's all generic and it's all the same. I don't think that does a great service for the majority of people. Uh, it doesn't really empower people. So I think what we're talk what we're going to talk about today and what we've talked about this whole personal finance series, everything we talked about in the back to the basic series, I think it all can really, really be influential and, and really help your results because not only is it important to kind of pick and choose what's relevant for you, but I think it's important to try to learn as much as you can because there are going to be a lot of those details that aren't going to be picked up necessarily the first time, but might have a major, major impact. And so, you know, giving somebody a prescription saying just index forever and then go away, I don't think that that really helps a lot because budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply.
Okay, well, there's a solution, and then I'm done. Where I've been writing emails lately on the daily emails where I'm, I'm talking about this idea that investing is something you do the rest of your life. This is a skill just like cooking or just like working on your car. It's something you take with you until you die, and there's no end point. So it's so funny to me when people talk about a one-year plan or, or what's the stock market going to do in six months. It's like, hello, like <laughs> we're talking about the rest of your life. So that's why the principles we teach are really, really key. I think even if you hate the idea of the stock market, investing, finance, whatever, understand that this is an integral part of your life and you can choose to empower yourself or you can choose to just put stick your head in the sand. So I think we'll try to talk about some different investment strategies, but I think it's very important to at least try to learn all of them. Hey, you, what's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. I totally agree with all the things you were saying. You made some very, very excellent points. And I really like the analogies that we're using. I thought those were very spot on. I guess the question I have that was kind of coming into my head while you were talking was, what do you think holds people back from starting? Uh, that's tough. I guess it's going to be different depending on who you're talking to. I think probably the biggest one that I would imagine just based on some of the emails I get is just like overwhelm, right? There's, there's so much, it's just very intimidating when there's so much out there, so many different options. So, so many professionals you're competing against. Um, I've heard the terms, analysis paralysis a lot so it's kind of why we try to really narrow down and make like a structured plan right that's why at the end of the show you always hear the outro talks about the seven steps to understanding the stock market and i wrote that so that you have like a defined path something that can really condense all of the most important things and obviously there's like an endless supply of, of things you could study but that really helps you get started on the right path in my direction, uh, in my opinion. So I don't know. I would say that's a huge one. Obviously, having money to start with is probably a big one, too. Uh, hopefully, some of the stuff we talked about in this series helps with that. I don't know. Do you, can you think of any others? I'm sure, I'm sure there's a million, right? <laughs> well, I think one of the ones that pops into my head is fear. Uh, mm. Being afraid of making a mistake and losing all your money. And I know that was something that certainly was flowing through my brain when I first started this was, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm going to buy something and, you know, invest my money. And, you know, you hear, you hear, you hear the extremes, you hear the, the, the great success stories, you know, the, the people that hit the home runs that buy Amazon when it was $14 a share and now it's, you know, a thousand dollars a share and they make just gobs of money. But then you also hear the extreme other side of that equation where somebody throws, you know, their whole life savings into aluminum and it goes down to two cents and they lose everything. And so, you know, I, I think there are so many stories out there and a lot of it is fed by the media because that's sensational and it scares people. And I think that they're afraid to dip their toes into the stock market because they don't want to lose all their hard earned money, which 
of course, is, you know, a very legitimate fear. Absolutely. And it was something that I certainly, you know, was afraid of when I got started was what if I make a mistake, you know, I could lose money. And the way I got over that for me personally was just to invest a smaller amount to kind of, you know, dip my toe in the pool, so to speak, to test the waters to make sure that, you know, this is, you know, you know if this doesn't go right, then okay, we'll try a different way. And it just helped me overcome the fear of it. I think that was one, my biggest issue for sure. Yeah. Fear of the unknown. Uh, yeah. Part yeah. of that unknown is maybe not understanding if you're diversified, the chances of you losing everything is pretty much on there with the chances of the whole world ending. Right. right. So and the whole world don't know about who, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. If the whole world ends, who needs the money anyway? Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you really can't lose. And I think right. uh, that's, that's a big unknown is that uh, there's no concept of, Oh, okay. These are businesses we're investing in. There's lots of them. Yep. The ones that go on the headlines that are Enron and WorldCom are one in 500, one in a thousand. Right. If you have a portfolio of 20 of those, you know, or 20 stocks in general, chances of all of them being a WorldCom or Enron are basically zero. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I guess the other thing that helped as I started to learn more was discovering that even guys like Warren Buffett, Ray Dalio, uh, you know, um, oh gosh, uh, Bill Ackman, you know, some of these very famous, well-known investors, they've, they've made mistakes and they've lost money in the stock market and it hasn't dissuaded them from continuing to do what they do and in, in investing, you know, it maybe makes them question some of their decisions for sure, but it certainly doesn't scare them off and, and away from the stock market. And, you know, I really like your referencing the seven steps book, because I know that when I first got started, that was very instrumental in helping me kind of form a foundation of really understanding where where I was starting and what I was doing. And when I first started getting into the investing bug, I really didn't understand that I was really buying a business. I thought I was buying a stock. You know, I was buying a piece of paper or, you know, a ticker symbol. And it wasn't until I I came across your book that I really kind of it opened my eyes to, hey, I'm actually buying a business. I'm investing in a company just like I work for a company. I'm investing in a company and it really opened my eyes and, you know, it made me understand that there's a lot more to this and a, it's not as complicated as I first thought it was. I thought there was going to be a lot of higher math and that there was going to be tables and equations and, you know, I was going to have to break out my calculus calculator and try to re remember all that from high school. And there was none of that. And there hasn't been any of that. And I think to me, that was one of the things that really helped me understand it. And to kind of segue off of that, I think, you know, where do you start, you know, how active versus passive. And I, I really like what you were saying about passive and how you cannot look at that money that's building up. You know, if you dollar cost average into an SPY or some sort of ETF for the next 40 years, how, you know, I don't know a lot of people that can just do that and not check the balance or, you know, 
as the economy is, you know, taking a hit or, you know, news in the world is going bad to see that stock, how can you differentiate or, you know, take away that emotion? I, I don't know. And I just, I think that that to me would be such a difficult route to go. And I guess that's what I think we need to discuss. Yeah. That's, uh, I think behavior starts and habits start from an understanding first. So we we're kind of like investing nerds, right? So we love to talk about stock market education and, and all those yep. sorts of things, but yep. uh, they really are key if if you want to ensure that you're holding for the long term. And so if you understand why, like for example, when I always say hold long term, okay, why is because since the early 1900s, the stock market has averaged a 10% return, the the entire stock market, and so. Lots of things have changed. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention, lots of things have changed since the early 1900s. And it's not just been in the last decade. Uh, it's not just the internet. It's not just blockchain. It's not just social media. Um, the 1920s, you know, I, I just did a, a video on this today on YouTube. The 1920s, everybody remembers like the Great Depression. But n- like not a lot of people remember that the 1920s had the advent of the radio. I don't know if it was the ad. It was the commercialization of the radio, the automobile, and there was one. Oh, and then the airlines. Yeah. So that was the 1920s. Um, huge, huge technological changes, right? And huge things that that changed the world. And then the stock market, you know, it it reacted. They had what was called the Roaring Twenties, and then you know, <laughs> it was so roaring that we had a hangover that lasted for like two decades with the Great <laughs> Depression. Uh, and if you think that that that's happened before and that's just a one-off thing and we can't learn from it and, and you think that that 10 percent returns from since before then i mean i think it's reasonable to say they will continue at least somewhere in that range you know give or take a couple percentage points uh continuing definitely on and i i don't see a reason why that would change and so that's why we say hold for the long term but the problem is, like we kind of talked about a little bit, you'll hear the media, and the media loves to make headlines. So they'll say something like, "Well, the Dow's has ju- dropped two thousand points," uh, make it sound more scary than it is, you know, instead of saying, "Ah, it dropped half a percent." Or they'll say, you know, maybe a more in-depth uh, article from like Fortune or, or Barrons or something will say. This is the worst time to buy and hold. If you look at our returns over the last 20 years, uh, returns are at 6% and compare that to bonds or, or compare it to something else or compare it to emerging markets and oh, look at emerging markets has been so much better. They'll, they'll cherry pick these time periods and, and make it sound really bad. And that's going to make it very, very hard for you to not bail out of stocks and go into some other asset that's, that's had better five-year performance. That's why... If you don't understand the beginning part, which was the stock market has historically averaged 10% a year, and so that's why we're going to continue to hold because we expect that moving forward, or at least something similar, you don't understand that part, then you're not going to be able to talk yourself off the cliff when a couple articles come out being uh, very short-term focused and not having a long-term focus. And so that's why your behavior can kind of sway just like the rest of the crowd. So that's why we say knowledge precedes behavior because it will give you that confidence uh, when you need it. 
Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And you know, we've talked about this before. Knowledge is power, and and learning. The more you know, the better you're going to be able to do, and you'll be able to make for, more informed decisions, and you'll rely less on the emotions of things that are going on around you. You know, you and I talk a lot about our our buddy Buffett, and one of his favorite quotes is, "Be uh, be greedy when people are fearful, and be fearful when people are greedy," and that is so apropos and that's really one of the best ways that you can make money. And you alluded to that when we started off this conversation. And I guess one thing that I'd like to, I guess, kind of get back to a little bit is kind of the difference between the active and the passive and really where you can start kind of learning more about that. And one of the things that a lot of people talk about with active versus passive is, the going in and out of stocks. And there's two ways of thinking about the, the active part of this. One is you can think like a, you know, a mutual fund manager where you're, you know, buying the latest and greatest, hottest thing and you're moving in and out of lots of different companies all the time. As a small guy, that's really, really hard for us to do because of one very big thing. And that is transaction fees. So every time you buy and sell a company with Ally Invest, it's going to cost you $4.95. And if you do that a lot during the course of the year, that could evaporate any gains that you make during the course of the year or the course of your lifetime of your investment. And so I think what Andrew was talking about, and this is what I think about when I think about active investing, is being actively involved in making decisions on what you buy, not being active as in having lots of activity of buying and selling, buying and selling and buying and selling, because that is where you're going to just, you're going to lose your shirt. You know, the Ally Invest is going to love you, <laughs> but your investment account is going to be like, dude, what are you doing? You're killing me here. And whenever you get caught up in the the mania of the hot new thing or whatever the 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 new fad is that is really where you can really burn yourself and so being active in the sense that we're talking about is being involved in what you're doing and making learning as much as you can about your investments before you make the investments and having a great foundation like Andrew's ebook is a great place to start and just learning some of those basics, you can start really kind of getting a grip on what it is that's going on with a company and finding good companies to buy. And that is so key to what we're talking about. And to me, that's really more about the the active part of it is reading the 10Ks every year, or at least looking over them and understanding what's going on with the company and not just like, you know, kind of wandering off into the woods and not paying attention, although that's not necessarily a bad thing either. Uh, Buffett has always talked about if you buy a company today, would you be willing to still own it five years from now? Or Another one that he he likes to talk about too is if you bought the company today and the stock market shut down for 10 years, would you still own that, be happy owning that company in 10 years? And I think when you put a company that you're going to buy under those kinds of criterion, I think you're going to find that it's going to narrow down a lot of things because if something is the hot new thing, you know, the greatest new ice cream or the greatest new music band, two or three years from now, you know, where is it? I mean, let's think about the Dixie Chicks. I'm dating myself when I say something like that, but where are they now? Nobody knows who they are anymore. 
And Andrew, you probably don't even know who they are. So, candy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, you're killing, you're killing me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I guess my point is, is that, you know, I guess where I'm coming with this is really the, the thought is, you know, being involved in what you're making your decisions and constantly learning. And that is something that you can do. And like Andrew said, this is a skill you're going to learn for the rest of your life. This is something that you can do from now until the day you die. And age does not matter. I mean, our buddies Buffett and Munger are, how old are they now? 92-ish? Yeah. think Buffett's in his like mid eighties and Munger's like ninety two or ninety three. Yeah, so I mean they're still sharp as tacks. So, uh, yeah, that's I guess that's my thought. I I love it. I mean, yeah, just what you said. Learn, 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 and understand that's it's a lifetime thing. I think that's perfect. All right, folks. Well, that's going to wrap us up for this evening. I hope you enjoyed our discussion on the differences between active and passive investing, and the continue a quest for knowledge. The more you know, the better you can do. And Andrew and I are here to help you learn as much as you can. Andrew and I are very much learning fiends and we love to learn new stuff and it excites me every single day. So without any further ado, you guys go out and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. Have a great week and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com.